Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Earlier this week, Claire Tippins shared a princess nickname generator, three pictures of her dog wearing a tutu, and two online quizzes, including what candy is your dream castle made of? Claire, your sharing has tipped the sugar scale and turned into oversharing. But have no fear, princess. Geico has something worth sharing with your internet kingdom, like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance just by visiting geico.com. No magic wand required. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. Hello and welcome. And as the introduction said, this is the weekly Spirit Seeker Hour brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. We've been published for over 20 years now and started in the Midwest in St. Louis, migrated to Kansas City, then went to Chicago, and we just recently expanded into Indianapolis. But we also have been published online since 1998 and have had a radio show since 2006, I think it is. So um, because of that, we have a a national um, readership and we have actually international readership. And we just are grateful for all of the readers and the advertisers in the magazine who have made this magazine possible for 20 years. We also have a weekly email newsletter, which um, we let you know who the guests will be that week on the radio show. We let you know when the magazine is online, and we also let you know about other wonderful mind, body, spirit events. Um, We do not sell our email list, so if you um, ask to be a subscriber, you only hear from Spirit Seeker. So um, with that in mind, I would would like to invite you to send an email to info at spiritseeker.com asking to be added to the email newsletter list, and then we will let you know about all of these wonderful uh, things that are happening throughout the U.S., into Canada, and sometimes we have uh, international global events as well. Okay, so that's that's it for announcements other than uh, the February issue is online. Um, we're working on the March issue. It's almost complete. And then uh, on the website there are years of magazines um, archived. And then also this radio show, um, we know you listen because we are close to our 100,000 listens. We just, um, I think we're at nine. I don't know. It's close. I can't wait to see the 100,000 mark, and uh, I'll, I'll share that as a celebration. But what we know is this. We have listeners all hours of the uh, day and night because this is a, a blog radio show. So the minute it's finished... Everything is archived, so you can listen to listen to it as a podcast any time of the day or night. You can share it with friends, etc. And that is how we help make the world a better place. This knowledge is just amazing, and the internet has changed all of our lives. And um, it's just my divine pleasure to to bring the radio show to you in this format. Okay, so that's it. We're finished with announcements. So today we are going to have. Um, we're going to hear from the wisdom of Susan Weed, who uh, teaches and shares her wise woman tradition of healing through books, through her radio, through her workshops, through her mentoring programs, 
I could go on and on, but um, Susan will tell us about that in just a minute. And she is going to be a featured um, keynote speaker at the uh, Trans- Ozark Mountains Transformation Conference in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and that is coming up. It's April 5th through 7th, and she'll be speaking about the wise woman tradition of healing and also just um, sharing all the the great knowledge. I mean, I am just delighted to have her as my guest. So, Susan, welcome, welcome to uh, the show, and thank you so much for being my guest today. Green blessings, Cindy, and green blessings to all the listeners. So happy to be with you. I feel very privileged that you've asked me to be on your show. Oh my goodness! I, you know, I, I have seen your name over the years. Um, I know that you, I think you teach in a conference up in Wisconsin. I'm not sure, but I have seen your name over the years. And so when I um, was, you know, talking with the folks at Ozark Mountain and we've worked with them for years, Dolores Cannon uh, has been a keynote speaker at my conferences. And, you know, she's, I just admire the work of Julia and, um, and anything to do with, you know, Dolores, I mean, top drawer. And so when I saw that you were the speaker and I had to, was given the opportunity to interview you, I was like, yay. So, so you know, Susan, I know you've been doing this work for a long time. I know that um, I don't want to call you a maverick or a rebel, but you kind of, you know, seem to be this person um, – that listens to your own inner wisdom, and you've you've had a path through knowledge that is quite quite exquisite. So, what would you, you know? You're an author of a number of books, and you really are, you know, just really wise. So, so how did this all start? I mean, even as a little kid, were you drawn to the plant kingdom, or how did, how did this all start? Like many children, I felt that life was unfair. And that people were mean. And the place that I found that I would feel okay was in nature. I lived in a big city. I lived in Dallas, Texas. But I was born in 1946, the the beginning curl of the baby boom. My dad had enlisted, hoping he could serve his time and get out before war broke out. He was due to end his service one week when war was declared. declared. And so he was in for the duration, but he was among those who were released first. And he came home, and he and my mom got very busy making a baby. And they moved into one of the post-war developments that sprung up in places all over the United States in the mid-40s, and it was, you know, very lovely neighborhood, kind of classic neighborhood that you saw on TV in the 50s with front yards and backyards and alleys and children. However, this development couldn't go beyond the cliff at the end of our block. Now, nowadays, they just sort of blasted it to oblivion. We're not talking a big cliff, maybe five feet tall. Those days, it was enough to stop them, and so from that cliff... There was just nature, and the, that nature ended by railroad tracks, and on the other side of the railroad tracks was the Dallas City Zoo, so I literally went to bed at night listening to elephants trumpeting and lions roaring. Oh, how fabulous is that? <laughs> well, your own private jungle. <laughs> yes, so, so you're right. From the very beginning, nature always said, I'll take care of you. Then, fast forward... I have discovered uh, that although I've been taking birth control pills, I'm pregnant. 
and nobody knows what the consequences of taking birth control pills while you're pregnant are, because I've been taking birth control pills for the first five months of the pregnancy, and there's no sonograms. And I open the newspaper, and there are thalidomide babies, babies without arms and legs. And I am so totally freaked that I decide on the spot that I cannot take any other drug of any kind, not even aspirin, but like most pregnant women, I have, you know, my share of oohs and ahs and looks. And so I found myself going up the big stone stairs between the big stone lions in Manhattan at the public library and asking for books on herbs. Now, it was probably 20 years later when one of my aunts said to me, oh, that's just like your great-grandmother in Switzerland. She was the village herbalist. So you didn't know that until then. I had no, I matter of fact, I had made a whole career in herbalism before one of my aunts bothered to mention that. And that's because my mom's side of the family was very disrupted. My, My maternal grandmother had five daughters, the first four at home, including a set of twins. And when she was pregnant with my mother, a huge fight broke out between her side of the family and the, her husband's side of the family. And one side wanted her to give birth in a hospital, and the other side said, well, she's done it at home. Why don't you just let her do it at home? Anyhow, the side that wanted her in the hospital won. She was examined by a doctor who came from an autopsy, and she was dead 48 hours later. <gasps> oh. My maternal grandfather remarried a woman who exterminated his first wife. All pictures and all references to her were completely destroyed. That is so sad. And yet, you know, it it happens. You know, it has, I think, you know, been very important in my life, the life of my sister who decided to become a midwife. That having this in our past has made us want to make sure that other women don't have to go through that. That's just fascinating. You know, so here's this master herbalist and this, you know, wise woman who was basically silenced. Exactly. So when you are a master, you have mastery. But when you're a mistress, you have Mystery. Hmm. I am not the master of anything. Because I prefer mystery to mastery. When you think about the ancient, ancient schools in Egypt, they were called the ancient mystery schools. Correct. And if we haven't figured it out by now, Susan's a feminist. (laughs) I knew that when I was reading your information. She's not going to use, you know, male-cued words. Yeah, I, 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 you know. As a matter of fact, people say, "Do you do seminars?" I go, "No, I do ovulars." (laughs) No semen here, but I got plenty of eggs. (laughs) You are funny. You are so funny. Well, I actually started teaching herbal medicine, however, because my daughter needed new shoes. So you, 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 yes. Right. And people say, what, excuse me, your daughter needed shoes. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I wound up being a single mom and, um, you know, I'm looking for work. And it occurred to me that I didn't really quite want to go out to work 
to leave my daughter in the care of another woman who I'd have to pay part of what I was making to take care of my daughter. I thought, why don't I just stay home and take care of her myself? Because that's what I'd rather do than go out to work. It just seemed, uh, you know, a, a bargain that nobody won on. And so I did indeed, you know, apply for, you know, aid to dependent children, welfare. And it was enough, but it wasn't, there wasn't anything extra. And shoes back then weren't coming in from China. They were expensive. Oh, I remember Buster Brown shoes. I mean, I can remember it was an or it was a big deal to get a new pair of shoes. Big I understand deal to get the money to buy my kid a pair of shoes. Big big deal. And somebody said to me, "Why don't you teach at a local community college?" And I said, "Well, I never graduated high school, and then I dropped out of college too, so I don't have any degrees." Uh, sometimes I say, "No man has ever given me permission to do what I do." And uh, the, this person said, "Well, that doesn't matter. They just want somebody who's passionate." So I taught, my first course was the best bread you ever ate, you make it yourself with love. And we did whole wheat bread, whole wheat croissants, whole wheat English muffins, whole wheat breadsticks, whole wheat chocolate chip cookies. We just really did it up with whole wheat because I'm a big whole wheat fan. And uh, don't get me started on gluten because gluten is not bad at all. And most of the gluten-free products are awful for you. At any rate, the college was thrilled with it, and they asked me if I could teach a course on mushroom foraging, which I was happy to do. And they were so happy with that. They asked me if I could teach a class on homesteading. And that 12-week class on homesteading included a week on wild plants and herbal medicine. And they were so fascinated with that that they asked me to start teaching herbal medicine. You know... The, I mean, I have this teacher from India, and I'll just never forget one time he was in front of, like, I don't know, a class of 100 people, and someone asked him a question, and he said, you know, he says, degrees are degrees. That has nothing to do with being a wise person and the rest of it. He says, you know, he says, it's nice to be educated, he says, but it has nothing to do with your real work in the world. And... You know, and I've often thought about that, and it's like, you know, there, I've seen, you know, I, I've, I've studied a lot. I've studied a lot, and a lot of the, a lot of what I've studied, there aren't degrees for it. I mean, are there really degrees for understanding how the breath works in the body? Are there degrees to understand how um, changing your thoughts can change your life? And you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, all I do the different, indeed. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And it's, and it's like, okay, and so, and so when I look at all the different Things or 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 I, I look at I, I was all over your website today, and I love what you have done with the questions from your blog talk radio show, where you have taken I didn't even know you could do this until I saw this on your site, where you took the question and you 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 put it in the words, you know, this person called in or this person came through the chat room with this question or whatever, and then you have the audio right there with the answer to your question. So it's like this your website has so much information between that and then you have the articles by you, but then you have the articles of the other uh, wise people in your circle that you support, you know, their work. And then so, and then there's art from women that you have encountered along the way. And then there's, I mean, there's just so much on your website. Thank you. It's true. You know, I've written five books. I started with The Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year. Because through my sister, I started teaching midwives, and that segued into a book. 
And then I really wanted to write a book talking about my favorite herbs and about the three traditions of healing, which I'll be talking about at the Ozark Transformation Conference. And that's my big green book for everybody, Healing Wise, which talks about the scientific tradition, which measures and fixes, the heroic tradition, which cleanses and balances, and the wise woman tradition, which nourishes the wholeness of the unique individual. I then went from there into realizing that although my mother gave me a little book when I was 11, she probably wasn't going to give me a little book when I was 45. (laughs) For menopause. Not the least of which was because the little book she gave me when I was 11 was put out by people who had money to make off me in the coming years. Oh, I remember the little book because I remember, thank goodness, my mother knew that I was developing early. And so I think it was a year and a half before everyone else got the book. I had the book and was prepared because I was 10 when That's I started right. my the period. That's right, the little book. The little yes, book. we all I got know. the little book. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! I know, I know. I don't even know if they still have those little books. I don't know. I have no yeah, I idea. I bet they but... don't because information was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> you can't shower or take a bath when you're menstruating. Right, it right. said. Remember? Oh, oh, all of it. But you know, my mother had a horrific experience when she came, you know, to to her uh, becoming a woman. You know, no one told her. No one oh. told you know. But you know, oh. but granted, my my grandmother, I think at that time had she was a single parent of nine children, and oh. you, know, you know, and she probably just I don't know, but my mother thought she was dying when it happened. <laughs> she, she didn't know. She didn't know, and so because she had had such a terrible experience, she wanted to make sure that I was like prepared and ready, you know. And then I, you know, my my own daughter, I don't think she'd mind if I shared this. You know, it was it was just really unfortunate that she was at her father's house. We were divorced, and she was at her father's house so it was her father's girlfriend who was there for that priceless you know that 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 moment but I had prepared her (laughs) but still it is this moment and and you know especially in the United States there are just not a lot of ceremonies and then you know you look at some of the religious traditions you know especially the Jewish uh, faith they have so many honorings of when you become you know a crone or when you become you know first a woman and you know in different cultures have these ceremonies and and the women talk with each other but in in the US it's just not quite that way very often I said to my daughter in her early 20s, so how come you never told me when you started bleeding? And she said, because you would have had some kind of ceremony. Oh, of course. Of course. They used to fertilize the crops with the blood. It's like, exactly. it's not just that, but it's, but it's she like, said, I did not want a ceremony, it. so I just didn't tell you. Oh, I said, well, I gosh. assumed everything was okay, you know. Oh, funny. Well, very, so, very so, funny indeed. So, so you know, so we have you, moon lodges here at the Wise Woman Center. On a monthly basis, and the idea of Moon Lodge uh, came through my conversations with Brooke Medicine Eagle of Montana, and uh, we we were sitting at, at with Brooke one day and a bunch of white girls and Brooke, and talking about you know how everything was falling apart and uh, people weren't considerate of the earth and what were we going to do to heal the earth basically. I'm sure you've taken part in at least one of these discussions. Absolutely. (laughs) And I noticed that Brooke wasn't saying much, and so I turned to her and I said, Brooke, so what do you have to say about this? And she said, white ego thinks it can heal the earth. And we were all pretty stunned. And Brooke went on and says, the earth doesn't need your healing. 
Now, since I have come to understand what she was saying from a Buddhist perspective, and one of the tenets of Buddhism is right relationship. If you were in the hospital and a doctor came into your room and you leapt out of bed, took off the doctor's coat, the doctor's stethoscope, shoved the doctor into bed and said, I will heal you, would we say that's right relationship? No, I don't think so. The earth is our doctor. The earth is our healer. It is not right relationship for us to think that we can heal the earth. We cannot. As a matter of fact, the earth has been a ball of fire. The earth has been a ball of ice. The earth has been a ball of water. The earth is not here for us. And in fact, I'll go even further. We're not damaging the earth at all. We're damaging ourselves. Correct. We can blast off mountaintops. We can dig out uranium. We can do just about anything. And the earth is quite competent to deal with that. As a matter of fact, the earth herself does more damage than we do. Blow off mountaintops, boom, a volcano goes off every day on this planet. Well, and you go to Hawaii and you just see those amazing volcanic, you know, the, the volcanic right. activity. And plus right. I've been out so, in the state so, of Washington. You know, what hubris yeah. to think right. that we are healing the earth. She said, but what you can do is feed the earth. And the primary food of the earth is menstrual blood. It's not just for fertilizing the crops. It is literally the food for the planet. And we talked about, you know, ways to do this, ways to get this message out, because we were so taken with what Brooke Medicine Eagle was saying. And I came back and started holding moon lodges. And of all the things that the apprentices learn while they are here, the two things that they're most likely to do when they leave here is to continue to drink nourishing herbal infusions and to start a moon lodge. That has now gotten to the point where the name has changed to Red Tent, and it's now oh. become the Red Tent Movement. I and Diana Lam and Elisa Starkweather have taken that Red Tent Movement worldwide. Well, you know, I read that book, and I learned so much from that book. I, I mean, you know, when you were on your uh, okay, Anita so, Diamant's Red Tent book. Yes, is that the book that you mean? Yes, that book is fabulous. Yes, yes. And, and Anita says very clearly, I made it all up. There was never a red tent. There's no historical thing. I just made that up. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought it was real. It felt so real. No, no. She's, she has been, from the beginning, very, very clear that her book is a novel. Well, And although she me. used biblical characters and she used some of the biblical story, she embroidered it to suit herself. But that, I just love that, but book. that it isn't, you know, and although they share the name, um, and there was, you know, some glimmering of that in Anita Diamant's book, the Red Tent Movement is something well beyond and far from that. Okay. So, listeners, if you're wondering, what is a moon lodge and what is a red tent? We're, we're going to, um, let, let me start first with um, sweat lodges, Okay which is a little bit different, but... Um, Completely but I'm different. A sweat lodge is a fake moon lodge. Right, right. So, and, and my older brother is, um, 
he pours at the moon lodges. But he's he's so he doesn't pour at the moon lodges because there is no sweating in a moon lodge. It is bad, bad, bad for women to sweat. Well, let me tell you something. I I found this fascinating. Okay, back in the day when I first you know, was studying different things. I did a Lakota sweat lodge. I did a few other different ones. Mm-hmm. And I can remember the instructions. The Lakota tradition was brought to them by white buffalo calf women so that they would have something to do while the women were in the moon lodge. It's a ceremony for men. Okay, well, I, okay, so let me just finish the story and, you, and then um, you'll get where I'm going with this. Okay, so... We were all told that if you were on your moon, which is if you're on your period, you were not allowed to enter the sweat lodge because your medicine could be stronger than the medicine man's, okay? So there was this gal who was a chiropractic student, and she thought they'll never know, right? They'll just, they'll never know. So she started to enter the lodge, and the man stopped her, and he said, you're on your moon. You can't enter. And it was like... I don't even know how he knew. I don't know if she looked guilty or what. But I found it fascinating that if a woman's medicine, if she was on her moon, if she was, you know, the the story. So I did not know that the sweat lodges came after the moon lodges. That, that makes total sense to me, though. Yes. You know, during our fertile years, a early conception is very easily damaged by heat. And most women, let's face it, don't really know that they're pregnant for the first two or three weeks. Right? Most women don't know that they're pregnant until they've missed a period by a few days, which means by that time you're almost three weeks pregnant. So if you've been in a sweat lodge during that time, you could bear a child severely deformed. So it is not safe for any woman during her fertile years to go into a sweat lodge. Once we're past menopause, we don't have to worry about that. However, what is in sweat? Have you ever, like, gone out for a run and gotten really sweaty and come home and your dog licked you? Salt. Salt, a.k.a. minerals. Every time a postmenopausal woman is in a sweat lodge, she's losing bone mass. Interesting. So it, it... you know, I don't use the word bad very often, but women in, in sweat lodges, bad. Not a good idea. Everywhere in the world, women gather to share their stories and to take care of each other. Now, somebody said to me, now, so a moon lodge or a red tent, that's just for menstruating women. I said, sure, we're going to send all the menstruating women off. Who's going to bring them tea? Who's going to massage them? You better have some... Older women there. You better have some postmenopausal women there. And those postmenopausal women aren't going out to gather the firewood and the herbs. You better have some maidens there too. So it's all women. As a matter of fact, possibly the most magnificent expression of this is certain places in Africa where women keep a moon village. It's an entire village, and every woman of every age decamps from the village where the men are and goes to the moon village for one week out of every month. How would your life be different if you had a week out of every month with just women? It would be fabulous. And you would, I mean, it's just fabulous. Exactly. So the moon lodge of the red tent recreates for us in a limited time and space that experience of being on women's hallowed ground where Woman is the default setting. 
I can't tell you how many people come here and they say, oh, look at that little bird. He's singing. And I go, how do you know it's a he? I knew that was coming. Are you an orthonologist that you know that that's the markings of a male bird? I said, if not, let me tell you, everything on my property is a she unless you see something dangling between its legs. (laughs) Default setting, she, mother nature. Let's let it all be she. And see how that changes our world. Mm -hmm. Well... Okay, so you, your first book, I'm going to go back just a little bit. Your first book was on childbearing, like the the wise woman herbal for the childbearing year. Okay, and it's in its 29th um, printing, so I would say that's been pretty Actually, it's now in its 35th printing. Oh, my, okay. That publicity is a little old, but that's okay. That's all right, that's all right. And and then you uh, stepped into the why, healing-wise new menopausal years, the wise woman No, I did healing-wise. Then I did menopausal years. Then oh, right. I did breast okay. cancer question mark, breast health exclamation point. Then I did new menopausal years, which was 10 years after my menopause, breaking one of my vows to myself, which was that I would never revise a book. But I, being human, could not resist the urge to go, na 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 na, Because when I published menopausal years and said, don't take hormones, everyone said I was wrong. And then 10 years later, we had studies to show, don't take hormones. So what so do I, you it was, think? It, it was irresistible <laughs> to revise the book and include the new scientific data that said, see, don't take hormones. Right. And you know what? Right. The bioidentical one's even worse. Progesterone right. cream, oh, a real, you know, quackery thing here. So I was happy to to revise it. Ten years later, I often say it's the postmenopausal version. It's one third bigger. And then my most recent book down there, Sexual and Reproductive Health for Men and Women: The Wise Woman Way. I love the title of that book, and I looked at some of the different things you cover in there. I mean, I don't I don't have a copy of the book, but I I would love to have a copy of the book because I looked at that all the different topics that you covered, and I thought, how could she put that all in one book? But it was, and the way you put it, down there, what's between your legs? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Somebody asked me if I'd written a book about Australia. I said, honey, if that's what you call it, oh, I'd put that Australia. Oh, the land down under. <laughs> that's right, that's down under. That's not down there. <laughs> Do you know that Kotex was denied the right to use those words on television? Oh, that's funny. Isn't it? Oh, I did not realize that down there was risque. I oh, thought it was kind of neutral. Have the blue pill with with a man and a woman in bathtubs. <laughs> exactly, on the beach. and they can I mean, advertise that. I mean, uh, oh, I, I know. Look, think about the programming for all of the of the young people in our country that all think erectile dysfunction. That's just normal. I guess <laughs> it's like. I they, I know. It's like well, it's normal time, if but... you take a blood pressure lowering drug, which millions of Americans are. It's normal if you take an anti-anxiety drug, which millions of Americans are. It's normal if you take an antidepressive drug, which millions of Americans are. Right. I know. It's become. It's 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 not you know so much age related. It's primarily drug related. Right. And in the scientific tradition, we measure and then we fix you. So if your blood pressure doesn't measure up, then we're going to fix you by giving you drugs, despite the fact that we know that those drugs cause other problems in the body, and despite the fact that herbs and even meditation work better than blood pressure-lowering drugs. 
we actually have an article this month because February's, um, you know, heart month, and it's on how meditation affects your heart health. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I had a client this week who has had problems with her blood pressure. And so you know what they did? They doubled her blood pressure medicine. And it hasn't helped one bit. That's right. I said, I know, I know. And, and, then, and it's leaching potassium out of her body, which is necessary for a stable heartbeat. Oh, she's 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 exhausted. They they put a halter monitor on her, and they're like, your heart's fine, but it's not. You know, her blood pressure is just off not the chart because of the drugs she's taking. Whereas meditation not only lowers your blood pressure, but it improves your overall health. Right. Plus, we have, okay. you know, a variety of very common, very, very useful herbs that will bl- bring blood pressure to a really good normal range, generally within six weeks. Huh. Hawthorn, motherwort, passionflower, and I don't tend to use herbs together. I tend to use them singly. So I say, you know, we talk about them a little bit, and I say, which one of these appeals to you? You know, we'll start working with that one, and if we don't get the results we want in six weeks, we can switch to another. Well, and you know, homeopathy is that way. You don't you don't throw an arsenal of stuff at someone. You wait and see how the body responds and how it works. You know, works with that person's body. We're not all the same. That's why the wise woman tradition nourishes the uniqueness of the individual. We're n- we're not machines. I often say to people, twenty twenty vision. What does that mean? And what it literally means is that's how far a twenty year old white man can can how what what level of letter a twenty year old white man can read at twenty feet. That's what twenty twenty means. I never knew that. So when your eyesight is being adjusted to 20-20, your eyesight is being adjusted to be the same as a 20-year-old white man's. Well, and you know, Susan, a lot, I found this horrendous, a lot of the breast cancer research was done on men. For Almost all breast cancer drugs were tested on men. Almost all pain-relieving drugs are tested on men. It has been thought to be not okay to test drugs on women because they might be pregnant. But gradually we are changing that and we are getting, you know, some really good insights into the fact that a woman is not just a small man. So We are physiologically as well as psychically, emotionally, and in many, many respects quite different. So, so Susan, I know, like, at the conference you're going to um, – be discussing uh, the different different approaches to health and healing. Um, you're going to be talking about the, the three, three, the three traditions, traditions of, which we're mentioning here: the scientific, heroic, and wise woman tradition. Okay, and and so scientific fixing. What what describe that, please? Well, we've just been talking about it. You go to right, the doctor. Like the, the doctor measures your right. blood pressure. If your okay. blood pressure does not meet the requirements as set forth, then you are fixed. Right. And okay. literally fixed. You are given drugs that change your blood pressure and fix it. Now, blood pressure is supposed to vacillate. It's supposed to change moment by moment. You're listening to me now. Your blood pressure is lower than when I stop and listen to you and you talk, and now your blood pressure comes up for you to speak. When we're taking drugs, we are fixed. 
and we can't then move, we can't be flexible. In the scientific tradition, the definition of health is not diseased. And since you can't prove a negative in the scientific tradition, we can never feel truly healthy. We can only feel so far they haven't found what's wrong with me. I know. It's like. Or they have found what's wrong with me and they're fixing it. Right. And so so people sometimes leave the scientific tradition and look for alternative medicine, and mostly what they find is the heroic tradition. In the heroic tradition, we are told to cleanse and to balance. And on the surface, that sounds pretty good, except when we really dig a little deeper, we discover that we can never be clean and we can never be balanced. So we are being given goals which cannot be achieved. Would you like to come with me and help me clean up my forest? We're going to pick up every stick and every leaf and throw them away. What would the result of that be, Cindy? Total deforestation and all the, you know, it's it's throwing away the, the knowledge and the wisdom. So anytime we hear the word clean or cleanse applied to a living system, including a human body, that we have to understand that is code for damage and destroy. There are no toxins. Nothing on this planet is a toxin. There's only one rule on this planet, and I didn't make it up, and you didn't either, and that rule is I eat you. And you eat me. Right. Survival of the fittest. I know. Not just the fittest. Survival of it all. It's all food. There's nothing here that's waste. It is all food. Because if we pick up those sticks and those leaves, we are taking food away from the microorganisms that keep the trees healthy. That's why the trees die. It's just so interesting. I posted this article. You know, I live in a suburban area for now. It's not going to be this way forever, but right now I do. And and I have, like, neighbors who rake their leaves. If two leaves drop, they're out there raking their leaves. And I was so grateful for someone posting an article on Facebook about the fact that the leaves are needed. <laughs> I mean, I always leave my leaves in my gardens, you know, but it's like the whole ecosystem. It's all divinely orchestrated, and I just I just look at all the things that we're doing, and it's just pretty, pretty um, – pretty unsettling when you, you know, we had floods in, in, in St. Louis, you know, in December because we had this rain, unheard of amounts of rain. And so this rain caused flooding. The flooding caused sewers, the sewer system, um, to break down in several places. So there is a spot right about an hour from St. Louis where the sewage is draining thousands of, of gallons of raw sewage that should be in a closed system into the Merrimack River that then drains into the St. Louis water supply. And they're like, oh, but it's not a big deal because this is how many gallons of water we process a day and blah, 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 blah. And then you look at what's happening in Michigan where, you know, that problem is going to go on forever. And water is going to be, I mean, it's been predicted. It's been shown all over the world. You know, in India, you know, the Coca-Cola came in and they they were taking all of the water that was needed for the villages. And the women finally went on strike in front of this Coca-Cola plant because they were having to go like miles to get water because all of their water was being, um, you know, used for Coca-Cola sodas. And they stopped them. They literally stopped that plant and that plant. 
I mean, I, it's just amazing what women can do. But it's also awful what is happening with our water supply everywhere. There is certainly um, some things that definitely need to concern us. On the other hand, the vast majority of people in industrialized nations have water that is better to drink than anyone has ever had in the entire history of humans humans on this planet. This is true. And we're lucky here in the U.S. overall. We are, aren't we? <laughs> Indeed. But. Indeed. Yes, it's thousands of gall- gallons of sewage, but it's millions of gallons of water in those rivers. I know. But still, it's, it's just... It's extremely, extremely diluted. And, hey, if you eat organic produce, you know what? It's likely that there's more stuff on it than there would be in that water. You know, that's an interesting point. Um, that's an interesting point. So, oh, gosh, this time is going to be up before we know it. Um, I know. We have just had know, so much to share with each other. I really love talking to you, Cindy. <laughs> Ways and I knew, I knew this is how it was going to be. But I just, you know, Aww. I, oh, I don't know. I don't even want to go into this. But, but yes, I am just for a moment. So ten, almost ten years ago, I, I went through the breast cancer experience, and, um, and I had this oncologist who was also trained by Andrew Weil, and she was a nutritionist, and she was all of these things, and she had just come to this group when she became my oncologist. Okay, and so. I was in my consultation, and I said, I don't know what I'm supposed to eat. They're telling me I can't eat fish. They're telling me I can't eat any of my organic fruits and vegetables. And, and I said, what in the world am I supposed to be eating? I said, they've taken away, like, the mainstay of my diet. And she looked at me, and she looked at the, 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 the nurse, and she said, is that what they're telling them out there? <laughs> she said, yes. And she said, don't listen to them. She said, she said, they're telling you that because organic has more bacteria, et cetera. She goes, if your body is used to it, it's better all the way around. And she goes, and if you eat the fish, just don't eat it raw, you know, until you get through this, you know, this, this deal you're going through. And, but, you know, like, there's just so much misinformation. And I, I went into complete 100% menopause overnight after 41 years of my moon like clockwork all of a sudden it was just gone. So I never, I, I feel a little bit robbed. I know this sounds terrible, but and I shouldn't say robbed. Let me rephrase that. I never really um, had the menopause experience. It was just like done overnight. And, you know, and I, and I once wrote a paper on it, on menopause, you know, and all the different cultures in the different worlds and, you know, how it was only the, in, in the United States where it was a dis-ease, like, you know, a, a, a thing. Like in other countries, it was a natural process and, you know, you didn't have such a, you know, an extreme. And I don't know. I mean, in some places you do. But, but nonetheless, let's, let's talk about menopause just a little bit, if you would, and, and how your book um, helps address this with women. And anything else you want to share? Because I think menopause, especially with the baby boomers, you know, and then, you know, we're we're the front leaders in this huge group of women who hit that period all at one time and then and we're the we're going to we're going to be the crones for the younger ones. Exactly. Whenever I am teaching a group of more than thirty, I will ask if there are any postmenopausal women in the group and I will ask them to stand up. I will then ask any of the women who are standing who are taking hormones 
of any kind, whether prescribed or not prescribed, to sit down. Then of the women who remain standing, I say, if any of you feel that you are missing anything, please sit down. I've never had a single woman sit down. So what I can tell you from the age of 70 and what other women my age, older and even a bit younger, can say is menopause is like puberty. What did you do to get through puberty, Cindy? You know, you just honored yourself. You, you know, you, you accepted and you, you know, observed and you, you know, you saw the changes. Well, that's all you have to do to get through menopause, too. Literally. It's simply another puberty. It's puberty prime. I often say that when we go through puberty, we yell at our parents, we lock ourselves in our bedroom, and we stare in the mirror for hours. You can still lock yourself in the bedroom. You can still stare in the mirror, but now you get to yell at your kids. (laughs) (laughs) But like puberty, menopause is not just one day. Puberty wasn't the day you started bleeding, and menopause isn't the day that you stop bleeding. Menopause and puberty both are experiences that for most of us take about a decade. From when we're first getting the inkling that we might be heading toward menopause or heading into puberty until the point where we can look back and say, that's done, is usually about 10 years. Menopause is sometimes called the change, but I don't think that change is an adequate word because if you wanted to change your clothes, it'd be pretty easy. Even to change your mind is not so difficult. So what's a word that's stronger than change? That would be transformation. Oh, you wanted and you're to, the speaker at the transformation conference. That's right. If you wanted to transform yourself, well, you could dye your hair or, you know, buy blue contacts or get a tattoo or piercings. That would be a transformation. But you know what? Menopause is even broader, deeper, and bigger than that. It is a complete metamorphosis. Meta, large, morph, form, large, form, change. It's not changing your clothes. It's not dyeing your hair or getting a tattoo. It is tearing down the whole building and rebuilding it. You are not going to be the same woman after menopause that you were before any more than at 15. You are the same person you were at 8. So the the men and women taking these pellets, like having these injections and wanting to um, turn back the hands of time is what most of them say. I want to feel young again. I want to have la, 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 la. And, oh, but I'm using the, um, the bioidenticals, so those are safer than if I – I mean, there's just so much out there that is – I think it's about three years ago now that more magazine did an expose on the bioidenticals and showed absolutely conclusively that they are far – and away, the most dangerous hormones that anyone can take. They themselves sent people to prescribing pharmacies, you know, compounding pharmacies with prescriptions for bioidentical hormones, and none of the prescriptions contained what they were supposed to. Many of them had five or six times more hormones than they were supposed to. Many of them had far less than they were supposed to. It's really, uh, you know, very, very scary what's going on. Basically, anytime we mess around with hormones, we are messing big time with fire. 
Right. So when we support ourselves with nourishing herbal infusions, our bodies are capable of making all the hormones that we need. Let me give you one fun example of this. I was teaching in Southern California. I took a class on menopause, and the woman said to me, you know, Susan, I got to menopause, and my libido went on vacation. And then down there, it started to get so dry. And she's not alone. You go into any drugstore, and you see the ever-increasing shelf of products. Oh, I know. Right? <laughs> so she said, then I got your book, you know. Uh, she said, down there, it was, like, so dry. It was like a, like, you know, like a desert, like sand dunes and camels. She said, then I got new menopausal years, the wise woman way, and I started reading about the infusions and especially about oat straw. And I decided oat straw was for me. So I started making oat straw infusion. She said, and before long, my libido came home with company and down there turned into an oasis with date palms and dancing girls. Oat straw is the world's leading sexual tonic for both men and women, but it itself contains no hormones of any kind. So how does it work? How does it work? A drug is a purified molecule that has a direction of action. We give you a drug to lower blood pressure. It's going to lower your blood pressure. That's its direction of action. We give you a hormone. It's going to do its hormone thing. It's rather like being invited to dinner, strapped to a chair, and have a funnel stuck in your mouth and food poured down it. When we work with herbs, they are not purified molecules. They are combinations of hundreds of different substances which have a global approach. It's more like being invited to dinner, being given a plate and saying, here's all the food that's been prepared for you. Take what you want in whatever quantity you want. Well, and you have wonderful information on your infusions and, you know, you know how, how to create them. You have so much knowledge on your website. I was just amazed. And have you gone to my website. YouTube channel? No, I have not. How do I go there? What is your YouTube channel? You just go to YouTube and you ask for Susan Weed, and there are over 225 YouTubes. Oh, my God. All right. Okay. Of me outside with the plants, identifying them, harvesting them, preparing them. Oh, my gosh. This is fascinating. Just absolutely fascinating. So let's do talk just a moment, and then I have another question for you. Um, We're going to talk about the 29th Annual Ozark Mountain UFO Conference. Uh, Not UFO, the Transformation Conference. But what is different this year is the Transformation Conference has been in in the spring, and then the UFO Conference was in the summer. And for the first time ever, Ozark Mountain is combining these two conferences, and they are going to um, run back-to-back. And I think it's a fabulous idea. I just think it's, uh, you know, I, I'm and I'm 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 not there for the front end. So are you only? Are you, you're speaking at transformation, and so I'm going to miss you. I I I, just, I hate that I'm missing you. Um, but I had to choose between the two conferences. Um, but but you will be there. Uh, speaking April fifth to seventh. How many are you speaking each day, or what does your schedule look like? Um. And you may not know it because you speak at so many different conferences. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't want to say because if I get it wrong, then I've really messed it up. Okay. okay, And I'm pretty sure that they have a schedule. I think that that I'm speaking two different days. I think you are, too, because I remember Julia saying that. And it might be Tuesday and Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday, something, but it is a day and then the next day. I'm pretty sure. No, I'm arriving there on Monday. And that the conference, I believe, runs Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or maybe even into Friday. And then from there, 
I am going on to another place in the area, and I will be at the at the um, at Ohm. And I know there's a, a, a more of a name than Ohm for it, and that's Lorna out at Ohm. And I will be there Friday night and Saturday, and possibly. Um, Sometime on Sunday. Okay. So, so for information, listeners, for the Transformation Conference, all you have to do is go to www.transformation-conference.com, and all of the information is is on the site. And you spell um, Susan Weed S U S U N W E E D. And Susan, I know you have a couple of different websites. One is susanweed.com, and what is the other one? SusanWeed.com is a good gateway. My sale is WiseWomanBookshop.com. And at WiseWomanBookshop.com, you'll find all five of my books. You'll also find my correspondence courses. And I encourage people to become a correspondence course student. I think it's the most fun way to learn. And I have a kind of different take on correspondence courses than most people. When you sign up for your correspondence course, you get the whole thing right away. I don't like draw it out. You just get the whole course. And then as you continue, then you get a book list and you get to choose subsidiary books and an audiovisual list. And you get subsidiary audiovisual materials. And you also get three hours of talk time with me. And as far as I'm concerned, once a correspondence course student, always a correspondence course student. I may, you may choose to graduate. That's fine. But we're still connected and you still have access to me. So you'll find information about that at Wise Woman Bookshop. You'll also find all of my uh, DVDs, all of my CDs, all of my MP3 files. And that's also the gateway to the Wise Woman University, where I have courses and we have 30 other teachers who teach at our Wise Woman University. Well, and there's just so much knowledge about the immune system, about, you know, um, all the different questions on the blog talk show and just Oh, I mean, I love that you have this compilation of other people who have written articles on things and, you know, that, that you, you know, vibrationally, you know, energetically, et cetera, are like, yes, this is spot on. And it's like, so there's just all this knowledge on your website. And um, I do have a question, one thing I did not see that I'm curious about. Have you ever done um, any tinctures or found anything that is helpful with alopecia? Let me... Um answer a little indirectly. Okay. First of all, you have asked me to treat a condition, and I don't ever treat conditions. I only treat people. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Because conditions don't really exist. People do. And this is what I mean. In the scientific tradition, we would simply test you, and we would find out what's wrong with you, and we would attempt to fix you. In the heroic tradition, we would say, you're filthy, you have to do a cleanse. It's, uh, this is, all has to do with cleansing, right? But as we've already established, to cleanse is to damage and destroy, right? And balance is the step that immediately precedes death. No life is possible with balance. We have to breathe in and breathe out. We need dynamic disequilibrium. So in the wise woman tradition, we nourish the wholeness of the unique individual. In other words, I don't want to get rid of anything. I want to nourish someone. Now, without knowing who that person is and without the time to actually engage with them, what I could say generally is that drinking nourishing herbal infusions will provide your body with 
such lavish amounts of all of the nutrients that you need in the exact form that your body needs it, that the vast majority of problems seem to just melt away. Right. And, and that's, that's what right. we mean by nourishing wholeness. Okay. In New Menopausal Years, I do have a chapter called Hairy Problems. Okay. And it talks about both lack of hair and too much hair. Or as one woman put it, all of the hair appears to be moving from my head to my chin. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been there, done that. And then they turn white, and then you can't see them. It's all right. much fun. Really frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember when I was younger, there was this woman who said, what am I going to do? I have two sons. Who is going to pull my hairs or take me to get waxed? I'm sorry. I just remember laughing. We were in our early 30s, you know. I mean, and now I'm almost 61, and it's like I just, you know, you just never forget certain things. Who's going to take me? Who's going to? I just laugh. So, steam nettle, especially one of my favorite nourishing herbal infusions, has a worldwide reputation of really helping hair growth. I had okay, a woman who nettle, approached me, and she said, look, I have cancer. The cancer's going to kill me. She says, but my children want me to do chemotherapy, so I'll do it for them. It's not going to work. She says, but I must admit, Susan, I am so vain. I don't want to lose my hair. And we talked about nettle infusion, and she decided to drink three or four quarts of nettle infusion. And she called me about a week before she died, and she said, it's working. I'm doing chemotherapy, and my hair is beautiful and lush. So uh, stinging nettle infusion is a great way to go. I mentioned the YouTube channel because um, there are quite a few YouTubes of me talking about nourishing herbal infusions, showing you the herbs and showing you exactly how to make them, as well as, of course, in every one of my books. It's really one of the mainstays of what I do is to nourish health. I don't really devote myself to getting rid of any particular problems. I believe that, that once we are fully nourished, that we will be as we are designed. And every religious text that I have read, and I haven't read them all, says in one way or another, we are all made in the image of perfection. Right. And, and the so body I has its own innate only, intelligence, right? The yep. only thing yes. between us and manifesting that perfection is optimum nutrition and the nourishing herbal infusions give us that you can never get nourishment from any pill it won't ever happen in fact the largest study of supplementation done to date looked at the supplementation habits of 8 million people in Europe and North America and found that people who took supplements had the same amount of acute disease and the same amount of chronic disease the only difference was they didn't live as long okay Okay, so we are coming to the end of this fascinating interview, and I would love to have you as a guest again. I just, I, I, I just can't thank you enough. I, what can I say? I'm stumbling all over. You know, it's well, just, thank, thank you for giving uh, me this opportunity to meet you and talk to you, and I'd be happy to to come again. There's so much that you and I, I can, uh, you know, I just really get, get this wonderful um, sense of how our energies are swirling together to make this yeah. wonderful kaleidoscope of flashing colors. I hope everyone enjoys that as much as you and I have. Oh, my gosh. It's been totally fabulous. Okay, and I'm going to listen. Tonight I'm going to imagine hearing that zoo 
next to my you know, I just what what an experience the zoo while you sleep and wake to awaken to the sound of the zoo I mean it's like amazing I, I can't thank you enough for sharing that little snippet too okay listeners we are at the end of this fabulous interview you have been listening to Susan Weed she is going to be the keynote speaker at the transformation conference April 5th through 10th uh, which is in Eureka Springs Arkansas go to transformation dash conference.com it's actually april 5th through 7th but the ufo conference follows it thank you susan so much and listeners we will be back again um remember the show is archived let other people send them the link they can listen to it too and learn as much as you did today okay thank you so much okay and remember Um, that herbal medicine is people's medicine and that place i'm going to be is fire um okay all righty okay blessings everybody thank you cindy okay all right goodbye Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Earlier this week, Claire Tippins shared a princess nickname generator, three pictures of her dog wearing a tutu, and two online quizzes, including what candy is your dream castle made of? Claire, your sharing has tipped the sugar scale and turned into oversharing. But have no fear, princess. Geico has something worth sharing with your internet kingdom, like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance just by visiting geico.com. No magic wand required. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.